God desires a relationship with us and he desires our worship. But what exactly does that mean? How can we truly worship God? And what does that look like in our everyday lives? Find out from author and speaker, Jacqueline Palmer. Here's Jacqueline. We'll open up our scriptures. This is the verse for our worship study. We know what we know, we remember what we know, and now we're gonna talk about love. We're gonna talk about love. And that's all I'm gonna say for right now. We need prayer. Matthew 22, we are going to be focused on the verse 37. So if you wanna open up to Matthew 22, verse 37, and join me before the throne. Heavenly Father, oh Lord God, we already just sit in so much awe at the wonder of your love for us. Just this simple, simple little sweet scripture study that we get to do here, live on Thursday mornings, called Women Inseparable, focused on proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. You in your infinite existence has been praying over this room for today for a couple of months. That's unreal. It's almost too big to wrap my head around. But Father God, that's your love. It's the same love that you demonstrated while we were sinners by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. It's that same love that you prepare our hearts and pray over our hearts for a couple of months as we embrace what it means to love the one who loves us without end. I pray that you will remind us right now of what we know. This sentence that we need to cling for, I pray right now within our hearts, within our minds, that we remember that one thing we need to know. Lord God, put that on our hearts. And I pray that in what we know, as we remember what we know, that we will look, look at love with a whole new vision. Help us to see you. Father God, help us. Help us to see you. I pray that you'll be with your scripture. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Matthew 22, 37. I love the book of Matthew. I'm very partial to the book of Matthew. I got to, when I was in my 30s, I got to spend three and a half years with the book of Matthew. It's the only thing I read out of the word of God for, for three and a half years. Matthew and I, we were, we were best friends. We, we did this together. A book came out of it and it was beautiful and it was wonderful and it was healing for me and it was growing for me. I was very selfish in that time with Matthew. So whenever I get to teach out of Matthew, I feel like I'm sitting there with my best friend and like, let's jump in. If you want the context of this conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees, start in Matthew 21. And this is just a bonus. This is not, nothing is required, but this is just a bonus. In the middle of Matthew 21, around 23-ish, you're going to see Jesus and the Pharisees gather together in a conversation. The rest of Matthew 21 and into Matthew 22, Jesus and the Pharisees are having dialogue. This dialogue is fascinating and it'd be so much fun to spend a weekend going over this entire dialogue. That's between you and God. We're not doing that right now because we've got 30 minutes to fly. In this conversation between the Pharisees and between Jesus Christ, the very one who is coming to this earth that put on flesh to die on the cross for these Pharisees, the very people 
that God loved so dearly that Jesus says, yes, I will separate myself from my deity and slip into the flesh for this person, for this society, for this religious sect. I will stand here and demonstrate, Father God, your love for them. And while I stand here in the flesh to demonstrate your love for them while they are yet sinners lost in their religion, and yelling at me and condemning me and judging me and casting their words at me with as much, as much passion and hatred as they could muster up in their humanness, I will continue in this dialogue with them. We look at the love of Jesus Christ and oftentimes when we look at the love of Jesus Christ, we go to the cross, always go to the cross. But his love for us was demonstrated even before he went on the cross. His love was demonstrated in his patience in these conversations with these Pharisees. It's amazing. It's amazing. So these Pharisees come up and they send different religious sects to Jesus. The Herodians go up and, and question them. And it's not like a question seeking knowledge. It's a question to prove that the Herodians are right and Jesus, you're wrong. That was the intent in which, Jesus, which they came to Jesus. And then Jesus silenced the Herodians. And then the Sadducees come in. And I was raised, my uncle, he's a preacher, would always say the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection. To this day, my entire existence, every time I hear the word Sadducees, it goes through my head. The Sadducees were sad, you see. You're welcome. So the Sadducees come up to Jesus and they ask a question. And again, they do not ask a question because they want an answer. They ask a question because they want to prove that they are right and Jesus is wrong. He silences the Sadducees. And the Pharisees are furious now at this point. So the Pharisees gather together. They come up with their plan. Oh, well, the Herodians' conversation didn't work and the Sadducees' conversation didn't work. But our conversation's going to work. And they pick one representation from their group, and he was a lawyer. Makes sense. Someone who knows how to have a conversation. Someone who knows how to keep his chin straight, his shoulders squared, his voice calm. Who knows how to use the tone and inflex of his voice to get his point fully across. And this lawyer comes up, surrounded by the Pharisees, to go to Jesus Christ to ask Jesus a question. And they did not ask Jesus a question to gain knowledge and to get an answer. They went to Jesus Christ, Scripture says, to test Jesus, to prove to Jesus, we the Pharisees, the followers of the Old Testament, believers of God, we are right. And you, Jesus of Nazareth, you're wrong. This is the conversation. Verse 20, 20, no, 34. So my fun statement in my little life, because we all as humans have fun statements in our life, I got um, promoted to progressive lenses. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. So I now have progressive lenses that have A, B, and C, right? I don't ever teach with glasses on, obviously, I just don't, but I have fallen in love with my progressives. Like a nerd, I have fallen in love with them. I wear them all day long, and I'm like, ooh, I can see. I get in my car, and my back um, screen, like my backup light camera, whatever, was like crystal clear, like a television. I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> oh, progressives. So now I'm teaching without my glasses on, I'm like, I don't know, it's... 
there's my statement as a human. Here we go. <laughs> Matthew 22, verse 34. Jumping into this conversation, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, that he, Jesus Christ, had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Verse 36. This lawyer says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's his question. Very simple question. Very powerful question. Very provoking question. The answer to this question defines where your faith stands. It defines who you are as a person. It defines what you know about God of eternity. The way you answer this question is the answer to your very soul. Can I encourage this? Whenever you read anything in scripture and a question comes up, will you pause and answer the question from yourself? It's a good challenge. Just as you read anything from scripture, Paul asks a lot of questions. When you read through Romans, Paul asks a lot of questions. And sometimes when we read Romans or read Colossians or read through the, the gospels, we just read over those questions and we inquire what other people are going to say to answer them. But Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Why don't you pause before reading to see what Peter says and what the disciples say and what other people say and answer that question? Here's my answer. It'll grow your faith. Oh, it'll grow your faith every time. So here's this question. The question is, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? If you paused you and Jesus, how would you answer that question? It's good to do because one day you might have a friend, a spouse, a child, a grandchild come to you and say, of all the things that I have to obey, what do I need to obey the most? It's good to know your answer. Jesus knew his answer. Jesus says in verse 37, and Jesus said to him, you shall love, can I start over? You shall love, let me say that one more time. You, individual, created by God, demonstrating God's love through Jesus Christ's death on the cross while you are still a sinner. You shall love, love the Lord your God. Do you hear those words as if you've never heard this greatest commandment of the law ever in your life? All too often we hear this scripture and we finish it in our heads. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Will you stop and take in those first three words? You, you, that is you. Nobody else is in this relationship. Nobody else is in this relationship. It is you and it is your God who has existed for all of eternity. It is the only thing that is in this relationship. It is you, which means you have full control of this situation. You shall that's not a suggestion. Sweet follower of Jesus Christ, this is not a suggestion. This is shall. This is do. This is right here, right now. Every breath from your lungs, you shall. Love. Love. Here's my question. Here's my problem with this verse. Love is awful sometimes. Has anybody in this room been hurt by the word love? Anyone? 
ever, I have a feeling a memory flashed through every single one of us. Whether you were a child on a playground and your best friend hurt you, the one that your very best friend when you were eight said, I love you, we're gonna be best friends forever, forever. And then she makes fun of you while you did a flip or whatever little kid situation. That love hurts. There are adults, and we may be in this room, that have been spoken to and treated by another child when we were a child, and that broken love that took place between that first connection with another girl hurt us to the point that as an adult, we still have a hard time connecting with other women. Because one time, we were trained as a little girl that other little girls are so hard. Love hurts. Some of us went to our teen years. Memory, that's what I learned about love. Have that memory? Some of us went to our 20s. Do I keep going through the decades? (laughs) Love is wonderful. I, I will be the first one. My my phrase that I used to always write on all of my like college papers and all my journals is always love, love. I love, love. I 100% fully love, love. When I hear Paul say, don't get married, I'm like, Paul, you're dumb. I love, love. I so immensely love, love. At the same time, I've so immensely been hurt by those that have used the words, I love you. You too? Love is wonderful. Love is awful. And this is humanity. And it's not that this one person loves and this other person doesn't love, it's this one person loves and doesn't love. And sometimes Tuesday is different than Wednesday. Have you experienced that? The person that you live with, the person that you love, that Tuesday love is different than that Wednesday love. And you're like, I went Tuesday back. (laughs) And sometimes morning love is different than evening love. And you're like, what happened today? Why is the evening so much worse than the morning? Sometimes 2 o'clock is different than 2.20. Do you see what I'm saying? Love is so this. So then we sit here and we hear Jesus Christ say, above all else, you shall love. Do you ever ask the question, how? What does that look like? What form of love am I supposed to do? Because I don't know. I'm struggling with loving this person that I can see, and you, Jesus, are telling me to love you that I can't even see, and I don't know how to do that. I say I love you, and from my heart I mean I love you, but to love you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind at all the times, at every breath, I don't know, God. Have you ever, ever, ever asked that question? So we're given a commandment that is greater than every commandment. Every single word written in this book rests upon the words, you shall love. And in our humanness, we say, I hear that, I know that, but I have a question. What do we do about that? This has been my conversation with God. Welcome to my brain. God let me do something two days ago, and I'm going to ask you to to join me. You do not have to, but you're welcome to join me. And I'm going to even say, as we sit together right here, right now, Will you join me? Mentally, if you have paper in front of you, do it on your paper. If you have the workbook, there's blank pages in the back, maybe use one of those. Here's what I'm, 
I'm always so like real with you girls. I'm on my knees, on my face, head on Matthew 22 in prayer two days ago. So I started my morning, not two days ago, yesterday morning. Forgive me for that. This is just yesterday morning. I am in prayer saying, God, how do you explain you shall love when we're human? And we've been hurt and we've been encouraged and we've been broken and we've gone through this roller coaster and we, we ride 10 different love roller coasters at the same time because there's different people in our lives and all of these loves are going all over the place and we're like, okay, I love you. So while I'm in prayer, God says, think about your husband. This is my conversation. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If, if God has put, if you have a husband, think about your husband. Write his name down. Husband. <laughs> think about his love. What's the first word that came to your head? Don't justify it or change it. First word that comes to your head when you think of your husband's love. Write that word down. Do you have a child? I have one. Some of you have multiple. God bless your souls. If you have a child or children, will you start with your, whichever one came to your heart first, that's your favorite. <laughs> Just the oldest. <laughs> I don't know how multiple parents with multiple children don't have a favorite. I don't understand that. I have one, he's my favorite. I, I'll proclaim that all day. Write your, write your child's name, Peyton. Think about that, that one child. Think about that child's love. What word comes to mind? Repeat. For those that have two children, repeat that with your second child. Repeat that with your third child, your 12th child. Get your names down. Are you noticing that different words come with different people? Do you have a grandbaby? Write down that grandbaby's name. What love, what word? What's that first word? When you think of that grandbaby, what word comes to mind? Go through your grandbabies. Some of you may have to continue this exercise at home because you've got multiple grandbabies and great grandbabies. Do you have a girlfriend that comes to your heart? Write that girlfriend's name. What love, what word comes to your head when you think of that friend that just crossed your mind? And I wonder if some of us had a name cross our head that we haven't thought about in years. And maybe we need to think about that girl and think about that word that comes to mind when you think of, think of her name. Some of us may need to continue that portion later as more friends and more words cross between your conversation with God. Will you write the word dad on your piece of paper? Dad, will you write the first word that comes? Does anybody feel the words in your heart? Are you feeling these words? The word dad is a powerful word. Dads are created to demonstrate the very love of God in their homes. Satan hated that design. And for some of us, when we hear the word dad, sweet words don't cross our minds. Will you write the word mom? Will you write the word mom on your paper? What word comes to mind? Don't justify the word. Don't change the word. Don't tell yourself, oh, oh, you should have a better word. I tried to change my word. Some of us may need to write stepdad, stepmom. If you need to continue that part of the homework, do that later. Do you see how long this list could go? Some of us thought mom and thought mother-in-law. I had my mom in my life for 23 years, 
and I've had my mother-in-law in my life for 23 years. What word comes to your mind with your mother-in-law? I'll just say, for me, it was gift. My mother-in-law, just a gift. And I think of her love. You could put father-in-law, you could put sister-in-law. You can go where the Lord leads you, and I ask you to go where the Lord leads you. Any name that comes to your heart while you're talking to God with all of these different emotions, all of these different relationships, all of these different roller coasters that we ride, that we live, that we're mentally trying to hold in our hands, control what we know, put the person's name. And for some of us, for some of us, that's the hardest part. There are some names that you're like, oh, I'm not writing that name on a piece of paper. Uh, that's funny. I'm not the only one that struggled with that. There are names that are hard to write. Can I tell you this? If you can get strong enough to use your fingers to put ink and write that person's name, there's victory right there. You have given the control to your mind that is in Christ Jesus over Satan's control over that name. For those of us that need to write the word Michael, that need to say the name out loud. I'm telling you right now, there is victory there. Write the word that comes to mind. And can I give you permission for a moment for those of us that need permission? If that word that came to your heart was not written in scripture, <laughs> the word that came to your mind was not one that you would ever proclaim to somebody else, that word that came to mind over that person's name, you would never say out loud because you are good Christian girl. This is your paper. There are no rules. You need to write a word? Write a word. It's just a word. Is that fair? There's healing there. There's victory there. Let God, let God take over. So here's what happens. We sit there with our names of all of the humans that have impacted us in our humanity and we have all of those emotions. Did anybody else just ride every emotion imaginable? We have all of these emotions, we have all of these humans, and that is what we know about love. Is that fair? You just, you just figured out what you know about love. Congratulations. It's a huge achievement. That's a huge victory right there. Here's one powerful statement. Everything that you know on that paper in humanity, in emotion, that's not God. Even those good words that you put, that's not God. So when God says you shall love, he's not talking about anything that's on that paper. You just created a blank canvas to learn about the love of God. Congratulations. You just separated the creation from the creator. Well done. Is there freedom there? I pray that there's freedom there. That you can say, okay, God, brand new. I have known you since I was three. I gave you my life when I was 16. I have been walking with you for all these years. I now have separated all of my human thoughts about love, and I will love you. I will love. I will love. Show me. Show me. And God says, oh, honey, I have. I have and I continue to and I always will. So then my next question came to God. Where do you want me to start? 
And you know what verse flooded me? It was Romans 5, 8. That was where I started. Like, God, where do I start in trying to identify your love so I can separate your love and my love for you, separate it completely from this chaos that is called love, according to my life. And he took me to Romans 5, 8. You want to join me? Your journey is going to look different. Listen to where the Lord takes you. But I have a feeling that this is a great place to start for all of us. Romans 5, 8. I memorized this verse when I was a little, little girl. So when God put that verse on my heart, I wanted something deeper. I wanted something bigger. I wanted something more impersonal. I wanted something like, God, give me a verse that was just going to just shake me and, and make me just go, oh, oh, you love me. And God took me to Romans 5, 8, to a verse that I've known from my little girl days. And it's exactly, exactly the start of God's love always. Romans 5, 8 says, but God, have we not learned how powerful those two words are? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, that we never forget that. You want to know what God's love is? It's this. It's this right here that God shows. There's no timeline there. There's no timeline there. His showing of his love is for eternity. His showing of his love started between God the Father and God the Son in eternity. When you didn't even have a breath or a name or an arm or a leg, you had nothing. You did not exist. You were not there. The world was not created. There were no trees. There was no sky. There was no atmosphere. There was nothing. The world was void. This is not about you for a moment. This is about God the Father and about God the Son and the deity of God, the oneness of God. God loved the world so desperately. He knew his plan. He knew his design. He knew what he was going to do. And he knew that he was going to love what he was going to do so immensely that within his own soul, his very being, he says, you and I, son, are going to separate for the first time in all of eternity. That's love. That's love. And in their voice, they created you. And in their love, they separated their very identity, their very deity separated in a physical form. Have you ever thought about that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three and one. They are one eternal being. They are one for eternity always. And they said, oh, her? Oh, oh, we love her so much. Okay, it's time. And the time was when while you were still sinners, they said, let's separate. And Jesus removed himself from the very identity, the very character, the very deity of God took on flesh. That's love. That's love. Father God, you say you, say you love us. And as you say you love us, you show us. You show us 
through your son, Jesus Christ, and how he died on the cross for our sins, how he has forgiven us of our sins, how he was buried in the grave with our sins, and how Jesus Christ conquered, conquered it all. Jesus, you conquered it all. Colossians said that it was nailed to a cross and it put all of the evil rulers, all of the evil authority that is in our life, you silenced them. You put them to shame and you allowed us to stand, stand in freedom and stand in newness and stand, stand with the ability to say to God of eternity, I love you because you first loved me. God, your love is so big. Thank you for showing us a love that is not equal to the equal, the, the love that's on earth. Thank you for showing us a love that is deeper and wider and freer with more purity and more strength and more, more words, more sights, more understanding than anything we could ever grasp from a human relationship. Your love is so big. Father God, you loved us. While we were yet sinners, you loved us and you continue to love us. I pray with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, that we will declare with it all, I love you. Jesus, I pray that you help us to grow, grow in your love. Help us to sit, sit in your love. Help us to be so abundantly thankful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Help us to spread the love of Jesus by subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, and writing a comment. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions and prayer requests to womeninseparable at gmail.com.